Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald, and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have a very special show. We're going to do the McDonald's All-American roster release on this program. We uh, are very excited to team up with McDonald's All-Americans and uh, put out the list and talk about these guys. So Kyle Mann will be on the show. We'll break that all down at the end of the show. Before that, we're going to do the good, the bad, the ugly, and a fun new game called Good Call, Bad Call as we sift through some of the biggest storylines in college basketball and decide if it's a good call or a bad call. Um, it's going to be a fun episode. It's great to be in studio here with Kyle. So producer Kyle sitting right next to me. Uh, it's a Monday morning. If you're listening, you're listening on a Tuesday. A uh, little programming note here because we had to wait for the actual rosters to be released by ESPN. So typically the show comes out on Monday. It's a manic Monday. Instead, we're going to do a Tuesday edition, a special Tuesday edition to uh, adhere to our uh, responsibilities with the McDonald's All-Americans roster. So uh, very excited to announce those, to talk about these players and uh, to do a fun show. And uh, the college basketball season is heating up and uh let's do it but first woody durham he takes the timeout technical foul. timeout technical foul technical foul welcome to one shining podcast it is monday uh and it is January 22nd, for all the people out there that are listening, this is a Manic Monday, and we have Kyle Mann on the show. Kyle Mann, great to see you on this beautiful Monday in January. 
Good to see you too. Good to see here that you got in safe. I know the LA people are freaking out because it's it's not perfectly sunny. You guys get yeah. a little bit of weather and lose your minds, but you know you seem you're you're wearing a hoodie. I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's a frigid sixty degrees out there right now. Right? Am I right? You're right. I mean, it might even be in the fifties right now. And uh, shout out to all my Angelinos that are battling through it. It took me an hour to get downtown to Spotify today to hang out with our producer Kyle and be in the studio. And the reason that we're in the studio, a little tease here, we have the mcdonald's all-american rosters scoop alert and, yeah scoop alert and uh, we're actually under embargo which i didn't even i don't think i've ever been under embargo in my life um so i'm very happy arrows about pointing this. up fellas yeah it's it's good for us it's good for the scoop game and uh if you're listening right now it is tuesday typically the show comes out on monday but because of the embargo we have pushed the release date back so at the end of this episode myself and kyle man we're going to break down the 2024 mcdonald's all-americans as best we can kyle man you said you've seen about 70 percent of these high schoolers and I think that's a pretty good it's a pretty good number. You know, I'm I'm probably around like 69%, but uh I think 70 is a good number. <laughs> that's you know, Tate, bravo number one. But uh <laughs> you did the <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I try to I usually use the summers to try to catch up on the youth, you yeah. know, and talk about them with some some uh some aplum and uh, you know. I, I, it's to varying degrees. I've seen some of these guys in one game. Sometimes it's as deep a sample as like five games. You know, we go wild. We go crazy. You know, mm. young Gavoni out here is very has called me in the past. <laughs> uh, but I do my best. Yeah, we, we'll try. We'll talk about them as best we can. I'm excited to talk about that. But before we talk to talk about the McDonald's All-Americans in the future, let's talk about the present because uh, we're going to do the good. We're going to do the bad. We're going to do the ugly. And then we're going to play a fun game. Good call, bad call. There's a lot that happened this weekend in college basketball. And I'm going to get Kyle Mann uh, to break down whether it was a good decision, bad decision, or, you know, we're kind of in the middle. But we'll start with the good because Dusty May is the good guy this week. And uh, in case you missed it, FAU went to overtime against the Roadrunners uh, UTSA. And uh, they ended up winning this game. They're 16-4 and on the season. And a lot of people would say, how could you be a good guy when you got to win? Well, when you go to overtime with a team that's 7-13, and 13, you immediately get the good guy conversation. And if you watch the broadcast during this game, the announcers did the best they could to try to frame this in a way that this is actually good for Dusty May. This is actually good for this FAU team to be tested like this. Um, and it shows, you know, how deep uh, this team really is that they can handle such you know, veracity from a team like the Roadrunners. Um, and then I got a stat for you, which I thought was incredible. Shout out to College Basketball Reddit uh, for finding this. And they do a great job. They have a lot of stats here. But FAU has completed an extraordinary achievement. They have hit the CBB cycle. They have a quad one win, a quad two win, a quad three win, a quad four win, a home win, a road win, and a neutral win. But on the flip side, they also have a quad one loss, a quad two loss, a quad three loss, a quad four loss, a home loss, a road loss, and a neutral loss. So um, I'm at a loss of words right now, Kyle, man. But I will say this. Dusty May is a good guy and everyone seems to be pulling for him. What are your thoughts on Dusty May and FAU at this moment? Uh, I think Dusty's a great coach. He's a great communicator. He's a likable great guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the hardest thing to do, I feel like, you know, you can, you can have tournament runs, I think, where they're maybe a little uh, aberrational and people read into them too much and they assume like, okay, I know, Tate, you've experienced this recently where, you know, and then a lot of that team comes back and and people are just like, well, we're just going to continue going, you know, and they kind of can, they can kind of overrate or underrate the, the, uh, the conditions that went into that. And I think for this FAU team, you know, they returned pretty much all of all of their production from last year. Um, I know they've had some issues like with injuries in their front court depth, but, you know, Golden's been fine. But and a lot of their you just when you run it back, the tape is out. You know, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of basketball when you when you have 
when you have something that goes really well, people have seen it, they kind of know you better, you're not sneaking up on everybody. And then there's a new element that's coming into it of these guys were on TV on the biggest stage. Mm. We've heard so much about them. Then you get a little bit different. I, I know we're going to talk about out-of-body experiences. I'm not saying that was what happened every time and trying to discount how well they play, but you do kind of become a target on a smaller scale for some of the teams uh, in their conference. And, you know, they're five and one in conference, 15 and four overall. We've seen some, they can play with anybody, but because people are coming after him, it, it seems like they're having to bring it every night. And, you know, you start to wonder a little bit if that's maybe a new feeling for a school for Florida Atlantic, you know, playing, climbing and, and being at the top are two different things. You know, I always say Jim Halpert was different once he got Pam, right? You mm. know, he was, he was, he was at his best when he was courting Pam. And then once he got her, it was just like, hey, you got to stay on top, Jim. You know, it's, they're two different games. Yeah. The cameraman steps in and he starts taking care of Pam. And then we're all having a, you know, a confusing state of mind as we try to figure out what the future looks like for the couple. But uh, we are, it is a very conscious coupling that we have in college basketball with Dusty May. It does feel like we are all trying to make sure that things go and stay on the rails and that everybody's happy, everything's on the up and up. Because I do think if Dusty May was coaching, let's say Miami or another one of these programs, and they were having this up and down type season, we would have more conversations about uh, where does FAU actually fit in? Are they closer towards the bubble line? But instead, we're talking about FAU as, you know, a five seed, potentially moving up in the top four seeds. They're going to stay in the top 25. Um, and I find that fascinating because, you know, if it's a Big Ten or an ACC or a Big 12 team and they're having these kind of uh, high highs and low lows, I think they get talked about a lot differently. But it's good to be a good guy. And that's why Dusty May is, is getting this treatment. And I feel like everyone in college basketball at large is pulling for FAU. And they're also saying, look at the results. They made the Final Four. A lot of programs don't get that same benefit for the doubt. Look at Kim Palm's treatment of Miami. Miami goes to the Final Four last year, and Kim Palm is dancing on their graves by December. Um, but on the <laughs> flip side, you got FAU and everyone saying, uh, rah, rah, let's go get them, Dusty May. Let's go get some wins. And even if you go to overtime against UTSA, it's not a big deal. In fact, it actually grows the character of your team because they've gone through the trials and tribulations. So I like the connotations of college basketball, and it's good to be a good guy, like I said. So Dusty May, he gets the good guy treatment in the best way possible. And FAU continues to stay in the top 25 and continues to stay in the zeitgeist of a college basketball conversation. So maybe a tip of the cap. Uh, is your faith May. wavering, Tate? That's what I my mean, faith is wavering. My faith is wavering in the way that uh, we pick favorites, and uh, that's how it's always been at some level. But it does feel like Dusty May has been selected as one of the favorites. And uh, when you have a favorite child, we do our best to explain, you know, why they did something bad. Uh, we try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But when it's you know the kid you don't like. You're like, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Why do you continue to disappoint me? <laughs> um, and that's how I feel like Miami's getting treated. And uh, and it's, it's funny the, because uh, they're in the same area. It's the Gordon Ramsay, you donkey meme, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, I'm an idiot you know, sandwich. Uh, that is yeah, Miami. Yeah. Miami put the bread on your ears and say it. I'm an idiot sandwich. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone There's a wants. little bit. There's a little bit of the golden boy, like, you know, we do a thing, too, where we sort of like we dub a coach sort of. We did this with Archie Miller, and I know we're going to talk about Archie, but there's mm. a little bit of like once we've dubbed you, we have a hard time letting go of the fact that you might not be the prince that we thought was promised, you know, and uh, Dusty, Dusty's in a different situation now, like 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 we've said, like it makes you wonder when he's going to make a move, if he's going to make a move, if he should have already, because whenever a team has a tournament run like this and they do well, it's like, um, 
you know, you kind of got to get it while the getting's good because now, uh, I don't know. I'm trying. I think of like Gillespie is a guy who like had that tournament run and he got out immediately. You know, and he got his money. Maybe maybe he got ahead of it. Like maybe maybe if he'd hung around a little bit longer at A and M, that that wouldn't have happened. So I don't know. I I feel like we have this energy where we try to protect the Golden Boys, the people that we believe in. Um, do you think it's going to take another run? I mean, what if they? What's going to happen to his coaching stock if they if they just like crap out and lose? You know, in the conference tournament and then. Or I, I don't know what what happens if their at large resume isn't good and they don't play well and it's not the same run as last year. I don't think it changes. I think that they're in. Everyone is in love with Dusty May, and uh, it's one of those things where Shaka had this a little bit. You know, obviously Brad yeah. Stevens did as well. So um, we've seen it before, but it does feel like you know Dusty May right now can do no wrong. And uh, everyone talks about how classy he is, how great of a coach he is, how great he is to deal with, and all these sort of things. So uh, shout out to the Adidas bag. Shout out to FAU. Let's talk about the bag because Bruce Pearl is a topic of conversation. If you look at the metrics, Auburn is beloved by everybody. And if you look at the actual schedule of Auburn since December 3rd, which is their last loss, last loss they have uh, basically dominated everybody on their path. I mean, they beat Indiana 104-76, beat USC, Bronny James's team 91-75, beat Arkansas 83-51, beat Texas A&M 66-55, blew out Vandy 80-65, and then they beat Ole Miss, obviously, number 22 Ole Miss 82-59. Um, the bag is going well for Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is one of those guys where um, – He's the opposite. He is more of an enemy, a foe of college basketball. We we do our best to not talk about him. That's what most people do. Um, but you can't really tiptoe around the fact that this Auburn team is a title contending team, in my opinion. How are we feeling about Bruce Pearl's team this year? And do we think that they have that kind of ceiling? Um, yeah, I, they kind of feel to me sort of like a team that's going to be in like the regional final kind of conversation, whether or not they've got the individual talent to like really get there. I mean, they're coming and bringing a defensive intensity they really guard their asses off. You talked about them, you know, um, right now that's sixth in defensive rating and seventh in offensive rating. So they fit that sort of, uh, I know you cringe when people say things like this, but they, they fit that kind of Kim Palm. Uh, <laughs> I know you kind of, you, you shuddered a little bit there. I'm sorry to do that to you, Tate, but um, I'll say it again, Kim Palm. Um, a chill just came over him. Uh, <laughs> they they fit sort of that resume, that description of you like to see a team that can, even if they're not playing well offensively, play defense well enough to sort of like weather the storm. That's basically all it's about. Like if you're a heavy, if you're a heavy offensive team that doesn't guard well, you worry about like maybe on the night where things aren't clicking for you that you can sustain and get enough stops to overcome that. Auburn has the look of a team like that. Um, they're a team that like, had a lot of outgoing and incoming kind of things going on. Chaney Johnson, who was like a D2 transfer from Alabama Huntsville, and then Denver Jones coming in from Florida International. But you talked about him being an enemy of the NCAA. It's interesting to me to hear him. Um, he had a quote the other day. I forget what show it was on where he was talking about guys because Alan Flanagan left their program, who had mm -hmm. been a guy who'd played for them a lot, great athlete. Um, he made a comment about like SEC coaches calling his players like during the season. Alan Flanagan plays for Ole Miss, the team that they smacked the crap out of the other day. You gotta wonder, was that a direct shot at Chris Beard? Do you think? Do you think do you think that was and do you think that Bruce Pearl, the source? I don't know. Or, or, how much should the, how much should we like criticize the source and be like, you know, Bruce, 
you played a little fast and loose with the rules yourself. I don't know. I'm just kind of I'm kind of wondering. Bruce Pearl has said uh, in a ditch on the side of the road that character counts, and I think we have to remember this when we talk about Bruce Pearl is that this is a man that loves moral fiber and he loves character, and uh, we love characters on this show, and he is the ultimate character. And I do like when the bad guys start to finger point at each other. You know what I mean? Like that's when you know things are cooking. That's when you know that he's actually threatened by Chris Beard, and Chris Beard is definitely swimming in the same pool as Bruce Pearl. And uh, when he saw him flapping around over there he said wait a second uh i thought this guy was out of here and uh i think it's more of uh he knows he can have a little bit of a moral high ground against chris beard so he's gonna take that oh, and run yeah. with it and uh and try to climb everest as quickly as he can so um that's just bruce pearl he doesn't have many guys that he can have the moral high ground against and he found one and and uh he's gonna ride it until he can't High moral fiber diet on that guy. I have a I have a buddy of mine that spent some time with him recently. I don't think it'd be that hard for people to figure out who that is. But uh, you know, as a journalist, and the 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 sort of like texture that I got on how Bruce is behaving is that he is uh, riled up. This is a team that has like they're. Ju- I talked about like the high end talent. You know, there's only three top 100 like RSCI guys on this on this team. I know Katie Johnson has really like receded from his. It's it's amazing to see like where he was like a couple years ago to where he is now with this team. They don't need him necessarily to be as much of a focal point, but um, he he is very riled up with this team. Like he's very there's like a chip on the shoulder. He's talking a lot about how they're disrespected. You know, nobody picked their they were picked like sixth or something, fifth preseason. Uh, and he granted that, but um, I don't know. This is kind of his kind of team. They're right there on that like that fringe where he can like they're talented enough where he can give them that extra sort of energy. And then it just kind of becomes a question of um what what how good can their top guys be? We know J- Janai Broom. Former Moorhead guy, RIP on that one. Um, you know, he's a talented guy, really crafty, big. Jalen Williams, one of their most winning pl- He might be their most winning player ever, isn't he? Jalen Williams yeah, from Auburn? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I remember watching a game earlier in the year and they mentioned that. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Is, is it Aiden Holiday? Is he, is he the guy that maybe needs to make a leap to sort of like, and with freshman guards, you kind of see this throughout the year sometimes where they're kind of hanging in the margins and then they, they assert themselves. Is that, is it Aiden Holiday, the guy that they need to sort of like legitimately, um, depending on how you look at it. I know Auburn fans are like, fuck you. We are legitimate, Kyle. Sorry for the language. Anybody with kids <laughs> in the car, but, uh, is Aiden the guy that needs to like make a leap for them to, to, to do that? I think defensively they're already there. And if you look at the Kim Pom test, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. But if you look at the Kim Pom <laughs> test um, right now, uh, they pass it. I right? thought you really did. And, uh, I, I thought you. I, thank you. I appreciate you. Really you really sold that. Yeah, I did, I did my best there. Uh, but the Kim Pom test says Houston, Tennessee, North Carolina, Arizona, Auburn, Marquette, Purdue, BYU, Michigan State. They all pass the, pass the test right now. And Auburn undefeated in conference play. They have the defense. Um, I think Aiden is a really good player. Uh, I, I think he can take that next leap. I mean, it, it would be great if, you know, not that we can do this in college basketball, but I wish you could put like Sharif Cooper on this Auburn team um, and then see what the ceiling looks like. But I think Holloway's good, and, and I think Aiden's a good player, and and I do think uh, that they kind of check all the boxes. And as much as Bruce Pearl is, is tough to digest for a lot of people, um, they did go to the Final Four. 
A lot of people think, you know, in the Auburn world that they got hosed in that game. Obviously, we remember the Kyle guy shot and uh, the the choking, uh, you know, Dowdy uh, doing the choking sign and Kyle guy hitting all three free throws. But um, there is some basketball, maybe penance there that they are that they might feel like they're owed that they can make another Final Four run. And that's what Bruce Pearl is built on. That's what he that's what gives him the juice to do it. So I, I think Auburn is a very scary team. Like if you told me the teams as a Carolina guy uh, and a Carolina alum, what team I don't want to see in the NCAA tournament. Um, it would probably be Auburn right now. That, that's probably my number one team that I don't want to see. Uh, and it's probably my own. I mean, Chumo, Kiki, uh, I'll never forget that man and, and what he did to North Carolina in 2019. So Bruce Pearl, watch out for his team. Uh, watch out for this group. And uh, shout out to the bad guys everywhere because Bruce Pearl is showing there is a path. There is a way to continue dropping the bag and winning at a lot at a large level. Um, we've done the good. We've done the bad. Let's do the ugly because this is the biggest story in college basketball. Sunday morning, if you were watching, you saw Caitlin Clark go to the shot to play Ohio State. This was a... Uh, a, a game that the NFL decided to keep on television instead of their pregame show. So that shows you how much cultural sway Caitlin Clark has at the moment. She's the biggest star in college basketball in this game at Ohio State. She has 45 points. That's her season high. She was incredible in this game. Ohio State ends up winning in overtime. But the biggest story after the game, and this is always a conversation in college basketball, court storming. And now we got different angles of this, but Caitlin Clark, after the game, Ohio State wins. They start to storm the court, and we have a fan who is looking at their phone. They're looking directly in their phone as they're running, which is, uh, that immediately puts them on the wrong side of history, in my opinion. But, you know, we, we can we can you kind know, of sift through this. But she's running. Caitlin Clark is also running. She's looking left. She turns back right and immediately slams into this uh, court storming fan. She you know, her arms flail up. She falls down. It looks like it was could this be a, a front-facing camera situation. Was was yes? Was she's it, filming herself, looking at herself in the camera. We need the footage. We need the footage. The police department in Columbus needs to get the footage because <laughs> I want to see it so bad. There's a lot of footage out there, and the first footage that we saw was like the Zabruder film, and it and it looked like Caitlin Clark had been sniped by a fan, right. and and fans are up in arms. They're saying, "Oh my God." Our our chosen son and and our and our leader of college basketball, uh, Caitlin Clark, is down and out. Matt and, Painter lost his mind. <laughs> yeah, Matt Painter. This is Matt Painter's nightmare because again, he has been against court storming because his team has dealt with it the most. He says that security is the issue that they should be preparing for the storm. Um, it's kind of like storm chasers, right? When you yeah. see it coming, you see it brewing, you you, you got to go ahead and get everything together, get your flashlights out. Um, that's what Matt Painter wants. That's not what they had at the shot. And uh, and then we get this moment where Caitlin Clark is obviously the story, but not for the basketball game, even though she did play incredible. Ohio State gets a big win. Um, and then other angles come out, Kyle, man. And now people are saying, and I talked about flagrant flops last week with you, where I think we need to do reviews for the flagrant flop flops. Now people are saying Caitlin Clark flopped and they're saying oh. that she saw the fan and that she flopped to change the narrative so that she could be the victim after a loss. And this is honestly, it's going all the way to the top. So let's start there. Like one, what are your thoughts on court storming? Are you, are you anti? Because that seems to be a trend now. Everyone's like, stop the storm, please, please for, for the sake of the kids. It's tough because I, I, you know, people do the, like, act like you've been there before. That's sort of a separate, I think, criteria, you know? Like, I'm for it on that front. Like, Kentucky football is the best, you know, comparison example I can think of. We haven't been there before. So, yeah, we're going to storm the court all yeah. the time. It's just, it's joy. It's, you know, jubilation, whatever word. Uh, and But also, you know, the safety part of it is... 
a real thing. I mean, I mean, like I was, you know, Kansas is another team this year that I think they've gotten stormed on like two or three different times. And you think about some of these people come down there and, um, you know, who can who can speak for the moral fiber uh, of these people? I know Bruce Pearl can't. And you think about some of these running around uh, around some of our like more notable players. I guess it doesn't really matter how famous they are, but like Caitlin, it's scary. Caitlin, Caitlin's not a small person, but like you know, somebody. What if something bad had happened there? Like, yeah. um, on the safety front of it, I'm torn on it, man. I I really don't know. Are you are you pro or you con? I think that you have to just get the. You have to talk to Caitlin Clark and Iowa's team before the game. Security says, if this goes badly, if you guys lose this game, here's how you get off the court quickly, right? We've we've already paved a path for you guys to know, like, where's your emergency exit, right? Like, that's as simple as that. It's like when you get on an airplane, they're saying the emergency exits are here, two in the back. Also, if we're on Alaska Airlines, this might blow out. So maybe sure. here uh, there could yeah. be another one. Um, but if you if you go ahead and lay it out, and I know, I'm know i sure teams don't want to hear this going into a game, hey, if you guys lose, here's how you get out of here so you don't get hurt. Um, but I think it would just be a nice conversation point. And then I think it's all solved. And as long as they have a clear, safe path to get out, then it's free game. And it's like, it's just, if you wait 30 more seconds, 15 more seconds, it's all good. It's all fine. And nobody is in trouble. You know what I mean? And the the players of the team that won, they could be on the court because the fans are going to be excited. They want to take pictures with them and, you know, they want to celebrate. So they're fine to be there. But if you tell the road team and, you know, the higher ranked team how to get out of here and you, and you pave the path, I think we're all good. But it does seem like that's Matt Painter's biggest gripe with the whole situation. I mean, Roy Williams against Florida State, you know, about 10 years ago at this point, he gets his team off the court and, and into the locker room. Then everyone makes fun of his team for being soft, um, you know, for doing that. So you kind of can't win for losing at some level. And uh, fortunately, Caitlin's okay. I mean, I think that's the big takeaway because when I first saw the video, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, she has a broken nose. Full like, speed. Concussion. It yeah. It looks, yeah. Like it, concussion, it looked, broken yes. nose, like missing a few games. And then luckily she's in the press conference and Ohio State did a good job too of kind of cleaning it all up. They're like, uh, you know, this is on us. You know, Gene Smith, the AD goes and talks to Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark says, I didn't see her. I, I take responsibility as well. So they did a good job of the PR fallout of it all. But um, I, I'm worried about the the general conversation because it does feel like people are trying to turn on Caitlin Clark and saying she's a sore loser. This is what she does when she loses. She tries to change the narrative. We're LeBron not dealing with LeBron it. James here, folks. Yeah. Like, I, 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 don't, like, I don't think that's what we're dealing with. I know we're used to that, but I don't think that's what happened here. Le- LeBron did the uh, yeah. LeBron saw that and was like, hmm. wrote he wrote it down and <laughs> yeah, he's like running into storming it. fan. Good yeah, idea. He's like that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't yeah. think she did this, but I tell you one thing that I've adopted. I should probably stop doing this, but it really bothers me. I'm walking down the street and there's somebody. You know, you keep to the right in this country. That's how it goes. You know, you mm. pass on the left, but you keep to the right if you're going down a sidewalk. If there's a a dude like walking towards me and he's looking at his phone and he's clearly veering into my lane, I'm gonna let him hit me. Like, oh, yeah, I've done that. I'll just I've be like, that. hey, man, I, you should look where you're going. Like, you know, I'm, it's not my job to get out of your way. I don't think she did that. But if she did, I mean, I like her even more. You think, I think she was trying to teach a lesson to the storming it's, fan? It's the it's the phone in your face while you're right. while you're, uh, you know, commuting anywhere. I think that's I think that's crazy. And you deserve to be She's, uh, you deserve to be a national. Uh, you deserve to have a national nightmare after that. I've never like full on collided with somebody, but I've done that. I've like a, if I see do the calculation and I'm like, we're going to bump shoulders a little bit. Yeah. I'll do that one. I'll do the like, I'll give you a little like yeah, wake you know, up guy, you know, 
give it, you know, tightly on the pick there. Just let him know. Let him know I'm there. But really, what purpose did that serve? I'll never see that. I know. I should probably stop. I should probably stop doing it too. But I will. Next time around, he'll know not to do that. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe get off your phone. And and the most damning part of this video has nothing to do with Caitlin Clark to me. It has to do with the the person that ran into her, not even doubling back to check on. Just get the hell out. Just just literally (laughs) acting like they didn't do it. And and that to me was the most damning part for society that someone could could. It was a hit and run, like to the T. Like we it, have the tape. Yeah, we it was saw a, you. It was a hit and sprint, and then she tried to get in the crowd of people, like looking back. Like I wonder how that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, she basically tripped Shaq, right? Except for she's yes. not Larry David, so we right. don't know who she is. It's so not funny. I might get out of there too. Honestly, I might be like, if I could, if I could just get to the get get in some a hall of the stadium, maybe maybe they won't know who I am. But she's dumb because she could have made a whole moment out of it. She runs into Caitlin Clark. She immediately goes down to like take care of her. Then after the game, Caitlin and her are doing a little photo op with each other like it's all good you know but instead it was like a, it turned into a mystery um and then there's a he said she said aspect to it and i will say for the for the conspiracy people out there we aren't talking about the game so they do have some credence in that like caitlin clark was incredible in this game she has 45 points but so is ohio state and they were epic down the stretch and I almost felt bad for Caitlin Clark because she's getting picked up full court. Like as soon as Ohio State shoots the basketball, the girl that was defending her, which they had different, they were rotating people on her, but they immediately pick her up full court. That's not a fun way to play basketball. And everybody that's played that way knows that. Like if you're playing pickup and you start getting double teamed and there's just a guy shadowing you the entire time, you're like, I hate you so much. I just want to play basketball. And like Ohio State took that joy away from Caitlin Clark anyway in this game where everything felt forced. She has to take shots that are uncomfortable because she has this amount of time to get a shot up and she still has 45 points. So um, it was a great basketball game. Unfortunately, we're not talking about the basketball. We're talking about the ugly court storming. Um, Don't ban court storming because of this. I do feel like because it's such a big star, the conversation wants to to drum up a little bit, but we have to stop that because uh, there's better ways and uh, we can't stop the storm. Don't stop the storm, folks. Can I do an honorable mention for the ugly? I know we're talking court storming. What about court wandering? Did you guys see Archie Miller wandering onto the court during oh, yeah. uh, during oh, their yeah. awful loss to to Dayton? Uh, this was uh, a tra- he was on the court during a transition, basically fast break. Dayton was up twenty one seven. Do you think he was just out of ideas and he knew it was going to be bad? Because I mean, he was all the way on the court there. I thought that was pretty ugly. Also the highest winning percentage at Dayton, Archie Miller. So he's like someone that Dayton fans obviously have an affinity for. There were some conversations. Did they boo him? Do they cheer him? What do we do? Uh, It was kind of a mixed response for him. But I thought this was great for Archie Miller because he's basically saying, you guys are so good. I have to, I have to step in. Like I have to get out on the court and I have to make a play for my team. So I think Dayton fans should be uh, like impressed by the fact that their former coach is willing to do any and everything uh, to try to stop them. That's how good they he are. He tried so, to stop it early. Yeah, credit. that was that was actually. And Shaka Smart thought it was a good defensive play. Um, he thought it was a nice slide. So that was good. Yeah. I think that's the court storming this season that's been more fascinating to me is the, the, coaches. the freaking coaches storming <laughs> yeah. the court during the games. Like, how many times? Like we, I joked with you. I wasn't joking. I was, I was asking a serious question. Uh, like about you know, move, giving a little more space, like uh, moving the benches away for a little bit, or just uh, you know, it, it reaches a point where you know we were talking about the uh, Shaka Smart, the thing where he was on the court. This is he's lucky that wasn't a disaster. That was the and, and uh, kudos to the ref for kind of. 
I don't know. Should it be kudos to the ref for this? He just kind of let it go. You know, I was watching. <laughs> yeah. I, was, but I don't know if it should be kudos. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> you just said they want to tee these guys up, right? That's what you want to see. I'm, I'm generally in favor of letting game flow be game flow, but but it was like it should have been. I don't know. It, it was it was a moment where it was close, and it just feels like there's more of that going on. Like the coaches, the coaches in general, I feel like are just sort of as a movement trying to push the boundaries of of what what's allowed here. Um, I don't know. That could that could have been a trip. It could have been a collision. Um, but it seems more ubiquitous than ever, you know? It just seems like it's going on more. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some legislation coming in to, to address this. Well, they have to address the coaches box. And I we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, or I don't even know when we talked about this, but they have to figure out, like, what is the coaches box and what is the line where you cannot cross it? And also, if you're a player and you see a coach on the court, drive at him. You know what I mean? Like, that that should be the <laughs> message. You know, that that's what I... If I was playing UConn and I was in the Big East, I'd say, if you see Dan Hurley on the court drive at him and like I don't care if you lose the ball off your foot I don't I don't care what happens you look over the bench I'm gonna give you a thumbs up like same with Shaka Smart you see Shaka on the court go at him go at his chest make him make a play make him I'm, get yeah, out of the make way. him make a play yeah like make him <laughs> make a decision Imagine if, like, Trey, I'm trying to think of, like, Trey Young, who's, like, the master at driving at people's body. Like, you know, like, can you imagine if Trey Young were, like, around, if this were in the NBA? Like, the craftier NBA players would have already, you don't see this in the NBA ever. Like, yeah. You know? Young James just, Harden is getting a foul on the coach. Oh. I mean, he's getting a flagrant and a technical and a regular foul, and he's going to the free throw line. He's taking six free throws, and he's getting the ball back. I mean, that's... That's what we want. We we want like make the coach have to make a decision and then let everything fall out from there because then I think there will actually be some rule changes. Um and if we're going to do rule changes, let's worry about the coaches being on the court as opposed to the fans being on the court. Maybe that's that's a good uh, connective tissue here for the ugly. Let's deal with the coaches first. Then we'll deal with the fans. And security just be better, you know? Like, that that's really what it comes down to. I If you go to any of these basketball games, there's a lot of people in yellow jackets and uh, with their arms crossed, and they look like they're not ready for the roar. They look like they're not ready for the for the storm. And yeah. <laughs> storms are coming, you know what I mean? Like, this, this I don't is, know. It's going to happen. I don't know what kind of, like, physical build or, like, profile you would have to be to make a difference on this front. Because if you think about, I mean, it's it's like trying to use scotch tape to keep, like, water from coming in a house. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's no yeah. way you're going to be able to do it. I just I just think it's, like, a strategic, I mean, I know, like, some a lot of the security at Rupp Arena, God bless them, God love them, good people. But they're just, like, dudes who used to work at Toyota who are just wearing a blue blazer. Yeah. And, like, they, you know, they're not stopping anybody. Like, you know, Love them to death. And, uh, but I mean, at the like, Smith Center, people have been doing this job for 30 plus years. Like, it's the same person I saw when I was a kid that's still down there standing on the court with the sweater vest on. Hey. Trying to throw <laughs> people out. You know what I mean? Like, they're so ready to throw people out. Like, it, <laughs> it's unbelievable. But you're like, I could, I could dodge that guy. Like, I, I could juke that guy. That guy can't guy. shuttle laterally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that dude, I'm breaking that dude's ankles. You know what I mean? There aren't that many people that I'm breaking their ankles. But that that old man right there, <laughs> college kid's breaking his ankles. Uh, so, I. I think uh, we got to figure out the storming. Uh, I mean, we we got to figure out security ASAP. Get hell's get hell's angels down there. I don't know <laughs> what we're gonna have to do. Like uh, I don't yeah. know. Put put some make people wear some kind of bracelet when they come in that shocks them if they mm. if they cross the half court. There's an idea. You yeah. know, I don't think that's all the student at sections all. have to wear shock collars. Yeah, uh, exactly. And they, and they yeah. bark like dogs. Give that the football great. players an extra credit. They could drop their hardest oh, class. Yeah, they could drop their hardest class if they just show up on right. Saturday uh, 
Uh, right. If you're a scout team on the football team, you also work security for the basketball team, depending <laughs> on if you're a basketball And now you don't have to take Spanish. You're welcome. Yeah. And you got like security, you know, like resume building stuff that like you get in your future career and you're like, hey, Haley Baldwin, I can be your security guard. Like I've Here's done this tape. before. Look yeah, at this. check the tape. Yeah. <laughs> no storms tape. on my watch. <laughs> Zero storms. We Never. double dip. We double dip. We develop our football team. We get our secondary down yeah. there. Yeah. It's it's really a more efficient way to look at this. You know, I think we get our secondary down there. We get them, you know, hitting people. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's a good idea. I think we solved it. Bless. Yeah. And I think some it's highlights over. would be great. Like someone getting tackled by like the third string linebacker because they tried to storm the court early. That's incredible. You've been stuff. waiting to hit somebody from another school all season. Yeah. Right. Seen the field. <laughs> Sometimes you got to hit your own students <laughs> to stop them. Um, that would be great. Well, let's take a quick break. We come back. We're going to do some good call, bad call and go through uh, some of the biggest storylines of the weekend. We'll be right back. Grab your game day gear because college basketball is buzzing and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the fun. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. If you've been looking at the conference futures, I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of teams if you believe in. Maybe you believe in Kentucky and you want to take their odds right now to win the SEC. You can do that on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join than now. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet. There are live same-game parlays. Easily find bets in the Explore tab. Dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash OSP and make this college hoop season one you won't forget. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. Uh, we've done the good. We've done the bad. We've done the ugly. Now let's do a, a fun game that I just wanted to do called Good Call, Bad Call. Um, I see this a lot in college basketball. We talk about the officiating. We talk about decisions that are made. Uh, we love makeup calls. Uh, I feel like that's the big thing in college basketball this year. A lot of fan bases, when they see something that aggrieves them, they say, I need a makeup call on the other side. So let's do some Good Call, Bad Call. And let's start with Big Z. Uh, Zvonimir Ivicic. Uh, which is incorrect, but that is how I say his name. Um, he says it a lot faster, and he says it um, a lot better than I do. But he started his uh, Kentucky career with a bang, to say the least, a behind-the-back pass to Antonio Reeves, Kyle's guy, for three. And then from there, it felt like a seven-foot-two Pistol Pete sort of moment. And uh, after the game, after his debut, we'll talk about the debut, but there was a quote that came out. Um, the quote is, we are now watching the best player in Kentucky basketball history all the years, close quote. Uh, Kyle Mann, I ask you, is that a good call or a bad call? Talk about coming strong. Ron Slay known for coming strong. Yeah, that was incredible. If you, if you watched him back in his days, he came strong. Uh, you know, physical guy. Gets his nose in there, makes his presence felt. I think that's what he's doing here. I think this is on bland. On, on bland on, he's, not, he's anything but bland. He's on brand. Um, yeah, Slay... You know, I don't know that I necessarily have to address that in any kind of factual way. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the focus is on him coming strong, honestly. Um, you want, Do you want to talk about what, like what I struggle with the Zvonimir is what I, you just kind of have to like blend the first two letters together. Um, he I struggle with calling him Big Z because to me, that's Ilgowskis forever. That's yes. To Ilgowskis. me, that's Tyler Zeller. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of Big Z's out there. That's the tough part. When I when I heard the nickname Big Z, I felt like, you know, Ilgowskis is one of those guys that immediately comes to mind. And then every team kind of has their own Big Z that they can lean on. So, I mean, if he can become Big Z, 
that says a lot about who he is as a player. He could take that nickname. That's a pretty big deal. It's kind of like yeah, you got. That's true. You got to earn that. You got to go get that. Um, I yeah, I was like, I was open to like Zevon. I was like that one, you know. I don't know, <laughs> but then you get you get the Warren Zevon. It's that's 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 troublesome. Uh, he. I guess this is an interesting thing because um, this has been a lot. There's been a lot of criticism flying around for the NCAA. You know, Jay Billis loves to jump on these and and like give a give a bunch of grief. Um, he he had this is a guy who is he's going to be he's pushing 21 years old by the time the draft rolls around. Um, the vibe I've gotten is just that um, this was somebody coming over for a year just to basically train because he got some draft feedback last spring, worked out with some teams, mixed reviews. You know, but he comes in and honestly, Tate, I can't remember. You could speak to like North Carolina, like electric home moments. I said this at, uh, during the game the other night that like one of the more like this is the type of thing that's going to be on like the Rupp Arena highlight reel like 20 years from now. Like mm-hmm. what he did. He comes in, immediately blocks a shot. I just want to say the first thing that jumps out is just his size, dude. Like, you know. I was watching uh I was watching Creighton and like Steven Ashworth's size jumps out in the opposite way. Like he's teeny <laughs> tiny. Like Ivisich, could you believe how big he was? Like, were you watching it live when he checked in the game? When he came into the game, I was, you know, I, I immediately first impression, you're like, passes the airport test. I mean, immediately. You're like, this guy looks the part. Um, but I'd heard he had slow feet and I and I had heard that like he had to work on his shot, right? That was the knock on this guy. Um, but I had also heard his quotes about how much he loved college basketball. He's like, I love college basketball. I've been watching college basketball. I think Kentucky is this premier program. So, like, he's a Croatian kid, but he gets well, college smart, basketball. Then, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he gets college basketball, and he likes college basketball. I like when the international guys are like, no, nah, this is cool. I like this. So, I'm already a fan of Big Z. And Croatia's your place. And Croatia's. I love the Croatians, you know? I mean, shout out to all my Croatian basketball stars. I mean, Petrovic is the first one that I fell in love with. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got the Hazonias. We've had great Croatians, uh, you know, over the years that we can talk about. But as soon as he came in, I'm like, wow, dude pops on screen. And then when he made the pass behind the back, I was like, oh, no. And then I started looking at the FanDuel National Championship odds immediately. And and I I was they in a, were going I was down in, in real time. I had like I had like one like the like sliver of sweat just dripping down my forehead, and I'm like, oh my god, how did he get away with this? Uh, so that my first reaction was, oh no, uh, in the most respectful way. <laughs> this guy's yeah, incredible. Yeah, the, the odds. My dad used to tell me about driving. He, he had a '68 Chevelle Super Sport, and he mm. said you could watch the gas tank go down as he hit the gas, like it was basically that much of a guzzler. I'm just saying, the more Z hit the gas, I felt like Kentucky's odds for the title in real time were like going down yes. on that. But he, I, I think, what Kentucky fans want to hear the excitement. I mean, if if you didn't watch it, he comes in, he th- catches a pass in the middle of the floor, throws a behind the back pass. It almost looked like he led. Reeves like Reeves was like relocating to the left it was one of those like it would have been Tyler and I've been doing like the misconnections thing like uh, you know if there's a great pass and you miss the shot we, we uh, criticize that but like Reeves had to make that shot um, but the other thing too is you know he hit like a few catch and shoot threes some of them weren't open um, I, I think what Kentucky fans are wondering now is like a is this real how real is this does this and, and like and I, I'll come clean about my expectations the things that I was wrong on. Um, I think that 
I thought, you know, watching him before, he used to play for a team called KK Studinsky Centaur Derby, which is in the, which is a middling team in the Adriatic League. Yeah. He played with his Very brother. Very smart who to was, play for Kentucky. It just, it's easier. <laughs> it's like Kentucky big yes. man, big Z. <laughs> but this was a guy who came in as, um, you know, wasn't known as much of a rim protector, was known as a pretty clever, crafty passer, but a, an erratic shooter. So I was seeing somebody as like, well, this team needs rim protection. They need somebody to be a, cons- they don't need somebody to come in and be like a wild three-point shooter. You mm-hmm. know, if he's going to be, you know, like, for example, he shot 26.7% as a shooter on spot-ups for that team, you know, play for the Croatian national team and had some big moments. I think the thing that I underrated is, A, like how huge he is. B, um, spatially, he's pretty smart. Like, if you watch him, if he's going to shoot the ball like that, he understands where to move, how to open up driving lanes, like, instinctively. Um, and I think that he's going to be I think that he's going to be able to do something for Kentucky which is just be big at the rim which is really huge for them uh which is what Onyenso was giving them but you're not going to have the offensive trade off that they were having with Onyenso which is which is an interesting wrinkle for Kentucky and if he can pass in space and just be big like that and he runs really well he had a couple of really nice transition passes I think those are the things that I underrated um but um the shot looked good I mean it's not like he's I don't think that he's going to come out and shoot like that. I think he's probably more like a 34-ish percent shooter, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think he's going to play. I was I was really surprised that he played as much, but I guess Cal was just like, you know, got to get him some time here. Because I, I assume, because, dude, they stopped playing with like eight minutes left. I don't yeah. know if you really watched, but they gave up like 91 points uh, and still won. Nothing from Dillingham. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was really encouraging, man. He's, he's obviously skilled. We'll see how consistent and efficient he is though. I feel like the thing that I learned about Kentucky is that they have the front court depth now to actually go win the championship. Cause when you looked at this team at the start of the year, everyone was wondering like, what is the answer there? I mean, and now you have, you have options, uh, in the front court and now you have a team that has the fouls to deal with Zach Eady. So I think that's like the, as you, you know, forecast what the final four, you know, regional final, national championship matchup looks like. I mean, this team now has the horses in the stable to make it happen. And uh, that that's, uh, you know, respect to Cal for being able to figure this out. And, I mean, you got guys like Dan Issel, right? I mean, where's number 44 at Kentucky? He's like, he looks good in 44. Like, you get the, it's kind of how Reed is. You know, Reed Shepard has gotten, like, the big blue nation completely tapped in. Like, they love this team. And I feel like Big Z was another cog in the machine of Big Big Blue Nation for them to be like, I love this guy. I will I will literally storm a court anywhere for this man. Um, and they they just fell in love with him. So it happened in real time. It was exciting to see. Um, I think you're right. He'll come back to earth a little bit. But uh, Kentucky is a very scary team. And uh, after that game, if you put a gun to my head and said, who's going to win the national championship? I probably would have said Kentucky. So uh, that that shows how much it moved the meter for me. They, I, I just two quick things, and then we can move on. I know not everybody cares about Kentucky, but I wanted to say that like uh, that the lineup thing is really fascinating because if you would look last year to this year, I was joking that this is like Cal's version of like, I was like, there's just were some insane things going on. I had a screenshot here. They set a double screen high for Wagner that was Visich and Bradshaw, two seven footers, and Visich popped off the screen and Bradshaw dove. And that's how he got his first wide open three is that you got these two seven footers. One can pop one. Can, and then in the corners, they had Reeves and Dillingham. Both are like 40 percent three point shooters. 
Uh, it's wild. I, I was saying that Cal should have worn like a pink velvet romper like BJ from Righteous Gemstones mm-hmm. and an earring and said, I'm edgy now. Like that that's how much of a leap forward this is for him, like to play bigs that can space like this. Uh, it is it is space age stuff for him. So but the other, the last thing I wanted to say, the thing that worries me about this team, you said the defense. Um, they're not going to really improve that much at guarding the ball. I think schematically they're going to be able to learn and get better. But like having him out there is just another big guy to help with your rim protection, trigger your transition. But um, the flippancy of this team worries me a little bit. And I think you saw a little bit of that from Z. Um, their strength is also the thing I think that could hurt them. They're very wild. They can put points on the board. But in key situations, you saw him get a flagrant foul. You saw a little bit of Z is known for this being... He's a little sassy. He runs a little hot. He can be a little wild. So that's the thing that worries. But they, they're a little flippant. It's their their gift and their curse. So Kentucky's. I, I'm curious. I'm going to go to another game here here soon just to get a better look at him. Get a better look at how how big he is. But yeah. it was impressive, man. Yeah, I want to see it in person. It does feel a little bit tortoise and hare, and uh, UK is the hare, and they have to be careful because uh, <laughs> they start celebrating too soon. Um, there's some other teams in the SEC, especially like a Tennessee or an Auburn or someone that could sneak up on him. But I like what I'm seeing from Kentucky. Uh, next good call, bad call. Blake Henson, Pittsburgh's Blake Henson. Um, it was unconscious in Cameron Indoor. I mean, the guy's just making ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. You put some of the screenshots up uh, of some of the shots he takes. If you know Blake Henson, you know he's not afraid of taking any shot. But then after the game, the real conversation is he jumps on the scorer's table in Cameron Indoor um, and basically tells the crazies uh, to suck it. And uh, and it was a moment. Um, and they give him the bird. And it, it was like, you know, now everybody's clutching their pearls. Like, he shouldn't have done this. It wasn't very sportsmanship-like. Uh, you got Duke fans saying, I can't believe Coach Capel's team would act like this in Cameron Indoor. I say, you must not watch Pittsburgh basketball because this is who they are. This is what they do. Um, this is honestly a light a light version for what I would expect. Um, and then after the game, Blake Henson was asked about his celebration um, and if it was disrespectful. He said, quote, no disrespect. It's nothing but respect. That was just an example of you climbing up Mount Everest and you're just looking at it from up top. I say good call. <laughs> I say good call. Kyle says good that's, call. Kyle, man, how do you feel? Is that a good call? That's an all-time. I didn't realize he said that. That's an all-time. I, I mean, he wouldn't have done that. You know, I, I people, I've heard fans complain to like ESPN about like, well, you covering our losses. Only? It's like, you know, the... the the coverage that sometimes it's a sign of respect. He wouldn't have done that if they were at like Mount St. Mary's or something, you know, Duke <laughs> fans. And I don't blame Duke, Duke fans for giving him the bird back. I, I thought that that should be a painting. I don't pick Pittsburgh should have someone do an oil painting of that and put it in their practice yeah. facility. It, it was, was a great response too. it was like, he could have just been like, no, I'm just being me. That's, I'm, that's how I play. He actually gave a good response. I think that's great. And I think respectful. it was respectful that he, that he did that. And I will say this, <laughs> What was disrespectful was the current Cameron crazies, because I'll say this. I have been in Cameron Indoor. I have dealt with Duke fans, and I have dealt with Cameron crazies. That shit would not have flown in the late 90s, early 2000s, 80s, 70s, whatever era you want to point to. Blake Henson's getting tackled. Blake Henson is getting you think injured. So? Yes, you think so? 100%. That, that is not going to fly. Uh, and, and, and honestly, then after the game for Duke, to be clutching their pearls, talking about uh, how disrespectful it was and how they're going to remember that in the future. This is not the Duke that I know. This is not Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley Duke. Bobby Hurley would have pulled him by his legs oh, I, you mean and the slammed him on the table, and it would have been full-out brawl. Um, and that's that, to me, was why I saw Duke fans up in arms because they're saying, you're not holding down the sanctity of the crazies. What happened to my crazies? 
Because this was a muted response. I mean, I know they got a lot of flicking off and hand gestures, but we need some action. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to tell the crazies how they should act, but it was a pretty muted response uh, based Hurley's, on the crazies that I know. Hurley's the only one I can think. Dante Jones might have done oh, it. Dante I'm trying to think Jones. Of, <laughs> Gerald Henderson is elbowing him uh, and tackling him on the floor immediately. <laughs> Uh, there, there is a lot of Duke people. Lee Melchione, uh, that, that's not happening what on his bull. watch. You know what I mean? Like th- this is not happening on Postius's watch. Okay. These are not the Duke players to, to, to mess with. And, uh, I don't know. I, I saw that happen and I said, wow, I, I cannot believe that that was allowed. And he got like three to four, three, five seconds up there of just pure bliss before this, the security guy was the one that got him down. It wasn't even like a Duke, you know, manager. I mean, what what happened to the Duke managers? They they would have they would have tackled this guy. By, Are you kidding I'm me? I'm fascinated by your your like account of history here. Because uh, at first oh. I thought you were at first I thought you were talking about like the crazies pulling him down. I was like, haven't they always kind of just been like hedge fund kids from like the the, no, the Meadowlands? But they, but, like, they, I don't... but they create the momentum that you're you're like they create the 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 ruckus. You know what I mean? Where you're like, there's only there's only one option here. I have to pull this guy off the scorers table. You know what I mean? Like that's we have to flip the scar. Instead, he just jumps down casually. He daps up his teammates and he walks out, and it's all good. And I'm I'm not saying he needs to be injured, but I'm just saying the fact that Duke. Did not have any sort of reaction um, other than flipping the bird. I thought that was uh, that was pretty wild. And then John Shire's getting called out by his own fan base. They're saying we need more from Shire. We need him to to reprimand what 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 happened there. What happened to our beautiful court? Um, if coach, well, K- they're they're, condi- they're conditioned to be to be lectured, so they're like, you need to grab the mic and oh. like admonish <laughs> coach, coach <laughs> K. Coach K grabs Blake Henson down. He pulls his jersey down, and then don't he immediately gets his that. finger in his face. <laughs> He's immediately finger to face in, in instant impact. Um. I don't know. Jeff, I can't believe you lent your kid. Yeah. <laughs> I just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and then, he, and then he's talking about Capel, how he's not one of us anymore, how he's moved on. Um, it, it's There was a lot more fallout in the K era to something happening like this, and that's all I'll say. I'll leave it there. But uh, Blake Henson, though, it was a good call because he got, a, got away with it. You know what I mean? Like, I would have said 10 years ago, bad call. But in today's time, pretty good call. It worked out. And now we're talking about, man, Blake Henson. What a what a moment! What well, you know? Everyone's giving him all the love, so he wins in the end. Yeah, this is one of those like if it, it I feel like blue bloods have this. This is an out of body experience, to be clear. I mean, Blake Henson like seven for seven. That's like his highest percentage of the year, much less volume. And I think that's like the third highest three total he's ever had in his entire career. He was just he was making ridiculous shots. And this is a pit team that's not even that good. And it's it's definitely one of those, like, you got to be kidding me things, you know, if 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 this happens, you know. And, and Duke, though, you know, to Pitt, Pitt's credit, you know, Duke would guard. It was demoralizing. They would guard well for the whole shot clock. And then these guys were just making these crazy plays. Carrington, you know, Henson. It was, it was across the board. And um, I don't know. I, I think next time around, Duke will get them. Like, I just think uh, it was a great win for Pitt. But uh, they, they just really had a hard time sealing the deal because of the tough shot making, I think. Some of these are insane. I mean, like, he's, like, leaning backwards. One of them is, like, his butt is over the sideline. And one of these, like, Proctor is in his jersey. And he just casually does one of those Steven Jackson, you're not even there, threes over him. He was making them. I watched Pitt do this to Carolina last year. I, I watched Jason Capel, you know, basically telling the fans to F off and that, like, you know, he owns them and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, this is a guy that played at Carolina after the Pitt game last year. So, like, I've seen this Pitt team 
And Carolina's response, uh, to be fair, was very soft. I mean, they were basically like, "Yeah, that happened. Uh, we don't, we don't, we wish it didn't." You know what I mean? And, the, and that's how I felt. Duke and Carolina, like we gotta, we gotta get tougher about this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? You got, you got to be like, "Hey, there, there's some sanctity here that you have to have some respect for." But uh, what it, right now, it's not happening. What's the one arena where this would not have happened? What's the one fan base? Maryland? I mean, I'm trying to think I of mean, like a Try doing this, this at Gamble Pavilion with the Yukon fans. Oh. It will actually be a murder. I mean, there will actually be like violence. I mean, I yeah. I wouldn't want to do it to them. I mean, I feel like you could do it at Kansas, uh, potentially. Maybe Kansas is a tough place to do it. Uh, UCLA, Poly Pavilion, you could probably get, a, get away with it. They I probably mean. wouldn't even, uh, the story wouldn't have come out. I don't think the UCLA fans <laughs> would have known what happened. They're, I'm just saying. Let's let's talk about UCLA, because Mick Cronin had a moment. Um, they were up big against Arizona. It was, it was looking like it was going to be a nice win to get this team back together. But then after the game, Mick Cronin um, was asked a, a bunch of questions. And then one of the questions he was asked was from a guy, Justin Spears. And he was asking him about uh, coaching in McHale Center. Um, he first said, you're going to have to ask Tommy about that. I don't pay attention to the fans. I don't pay attention to any of that sort of stuff. And then he gets asked another question, a follow-up from Justin Spears. And he said, I'd expect nothing less from you. Um, Justin Spears then came out and said, I have never interacted with Mick Cronin at any level. <laughs> a lot of history in that. <laughs> <laughs> like as if they they had some uh, some sort of beef. Uh, Mick Cronin calling out reporters, good call or bad call? Uh, do, you think, do you think this is a good look? To, like, Does it make you like him more? Because when I saw this press conference, I was like, man, Mick is in his bag. Like He is not afraid of anybody. He's not backing down. He also got a tech in that game. Yeah, big, oh, a tech that a changed the game. Tech. Big really. fuck like, you to the ref in that game. A tech that he could like basically be like, I lost the game. Like this is my fault. <laughs> Incredible. That was quite a. I love whenever somebody says something and there's like implied history. There's like nothing better than that. Like I, I. This is very short, but like Tyler and I were at some like weird Italian restaurant in uh, in like Eagle Rock in L.A. I don't know L.A. very well, but there was a lady at the bar who was trying to sleep, and the bartender came up and said, "Teresa, we've talked about this. You can't sleep at the bar." And Tyler and I looked at each other. I was like, "I love the history that was in what she just said." Now my mind's racing. I'm like, "What happened?" It's disappointing to me to have j either. It's one of two scenarios. Either legitimately Justin's never interacted with him, which I'll take him at his word, or, or I love the idea that maybe Mick knows about the guy. Like he's so he's watched, mad. I, yeah, we're seeing a we're seeing a tour de force of madness. Like and not in the like, he's just angry all the time. And like I was watching UCLA's senior night from last year because I got a Jaime Hawkins video coming out. There's, there's an organic plug for you. Mm, um, and it. I was just watching. I was watching. The guy's coming through, and I was like, I'd be mad if I were Mick Cronin, too. Maybe not to this extent, but to go from where they were. I know you're a big UCLA basketball guy, Tate. It's tough. It's tough sledding right now for, for him. <laughs> like, I, I can kind of understand why he's mad, but he's just off the rails at all time. Gave a big F, very big, visible FU at one point that, that went viral. <laughs> Mick's mad, man. He's just, uh, he might explode. I'm worried about his health, to be honest with you. And then I, I went on the message boards, uh, UCLA message boards, because I wanted to see sort of like the fallout. This is how you know what's going on. You know, I went on the Duke message boards after the Blake Henson thing. They're like, the crazies aren't tough enough. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, they're, they're, they're agreeing with me. And I'm like, I'm right there with you, but the UCLA fans were saying they were upset because Mick Cronin was talking to his players like that. Um, he was saying F you to his players, according to what these message word people were saying, but I think he was talking to the refs. Uh, he was <laughs> yelling away from the sideline. Yeah. I mean, so it was because it, it, right afterwards, he told his player 
to like, he was like pointed him to it. He kind of calmly. So I, that kind of makes me think that he was switching his lint, like from player to ref. That's, maybe, that's what I think. But then people were saying, I don't like my coach talking to my players like this, using such foul language, right? A lot of clutching of pearls happening. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, it, it was not that. I, so I just wanted to defend Mick Cronin a little bit there. Uh, last good call, bad call before we get to uh, the McDonald's All-American stuff. Kenny Payne. Um, there was a lot of free Big Z shirts in Kentucky. Um, a lot of free Big Z everywhere. Everyone's seeing them. You know, you're in Louisville, so I'm sure you saw the free, free Big Z shirts. Um, according to Ville Sports Law, I thought this was a great, uh, honest mistake. Apparently, Kenny Payne saw the shirts and he thought that they were talking about his son. Um, and then he decided to start his son, um, Zan Payne, um, for Louisville. Um, and they were saying free Big Z. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but that's what people are reading reading between the tea leaves here. Um, so what are your thoughts? Kenny Payne starting his own son as Louisville was in free for all as a program. Good call or bad call? Well, they they lose to a Wake Forest team that's surging, right? Who's playing better? They lose ninety to sixty five um, in in Winston Salem. Honestly, man, I feel bad for Zam. I, I like I just don't. It's it was hard for me even to laugh about it because I was just like, here's a guy who's just kind of been like a nice. He seems like a well liked guy. He was well liked when he, during his time in Kentucky. Follows his dad to Louisville. Um, plays seventeen minutes in this game and basically gets a. Uh, gets an offer in every category doesn't mm-hmm. is like well he gets one foul um but he's kind of <laughs> oh, just this, <laughs> he's the source of ridicule why you know why that's my thing like why do why do that's why, why i think it's a bad call though like kenny payne is basically being like is. not only am i gonna make this worse i'm gonna throw my son into this and make him be like the fall guy for this i mean this is uh this is next level insane to me when i saw the starting lineup I mean, either he's the greatest troll in the history of college basketball coaching, or he's just like at his wits end. And he's just like, I'm going to, I want my son to be able to tell his kids that he started at Louisville. You know, no one's going to go look up that he only had one foul in 17 minutes. You know, no one cares. No one's going to be able to find this this stat sheet. (laughs) This is the Al McGuire, Allie McGuire thing. You're a great player, but I love my son. Yeah, Yeah, put put your uh, son in. Let's see what happens. Uh, I I think that was was probably the worst call of the weekend, I would say. Uh, Kenny Payne starting his own son. Um, And then in the same vein of good call, bad call, good fall, bad fall. Rick Pitino, uh, after Danis Jenkins' three for the win, does not go down against Marquette. Um, he collapses. There was no one there. It was a, it was kind of like a trust fall, and there was no trust. Um, <laughs> no one is there to catch Rick Pitino as he falls. So I asked you, comment last one, good fall, bad fall, Rick Pitino edition. He's kind of doing the. I thought he was doing the. I thought he was doing like the Red Fox, like this is the big one kind of thing, because the way he fell was like such a <laughs> like he like went down. And also, yes. I was trying to figure out where the geography of where he was on the court, because if you look, you can't all the way see to the it side during the shot cam of yeah. both. Yeah, of both sides of the frame. That goes back fans. to the coach's box. Rick Pitino's. <laughs> like, where's Waldo? Yeah, right. I was like, did he wander around to the other side of the court? He went to the other angle. The re- yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, if I fall over here, I got to I gotta get to where some, there's some coverage. And then I was like, and then there was also the part of me who was like, is he legitimately dead? I didn't know. Like, that would have been a story. I mean, yeah, and, he, and he's been talking about it at every loss. He's like, I want to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's been telling like, us. him he's trying to take himself us. out. Yeah. I gotta say, for somebody who's seventy-one to be able to pull a stunt like that and get back up, I think that's that's pretty good to be yeah. able to just be like, pretty, you know, what, I'm gonna pretty... I'm gonna lay out on this, let people know how I'm feeling. But at, to be hitting the ground, you know, those courts are not soft. You know, it's not like he's in a field somewhere. He, he just took a dive. I think at seventy-one, that's great. 
I'm in my late thirties. I don't like hitting the ground with my knees. You know, I got a little son. I'm like, ah, oh, God, Julian, I want to, you know, like it, it was, it was impressive. He's, 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 a, he's good limber. Fall. Good. Fall. Yeah. I think it was a good fall. And I think moving forward, if you're St. John's like in college football, you have a get back coach, right. That like pulls you back on the sideline. Sure. I think that he needs a fallback coach. Uh, like someone that's literally right there. That is young. That is limber. And that when Rick Pitino is ready to, to take a spill again, the guy's right there. <laughs> And then everyone's like, holy shit, the fallback coach is incredible. Like, what a what a great coach. Great staff they got over there. Maybe yeah, they'll play I, harder. He needs well, well, he needs the TC Tugger shirt, but it's a it's a suit jacket with a handle on the back. <laughs> yeah, yes. So yes. so if he starts to go, the guy can just hold it and he'll be out of frame. So we'll just kind of see, you know, yeah. we won't see Rick, you know, feebly fall down. Maybe yeah. the players are just know. so worried that they'll just, they're like, I, I can't, I feel like I, I'm going to have this on my conscience. If we don't win these games, I mean, who knows where Rick's going to be next. So. It's actually great though, for like the, the team, the team mindset is like, if we don't win, we have our to coach is going to die. <laughs> we, have you know to save I mean? like, we, we have to save our coach. Like we literally save Ferris. <laughs> it's that Jason Statham movie where if his heart rate goes down Crank or, or whatever or speed, it's it's been done. I think this is a movie script. Like our coach will that'd be a riveting movie. Our coach will die if we don't win, you know. Right. I think that's an idea. You know, print that. Maybe yeah. we'll talk Dis to Dizzy Channel original movie right there. Sure. Um, they they could do that. Uh all right. So there you go. We say good fall for Rick Patino. We did some good. If calls. he really dies, we're gonna be we're gonna look so terrible. scrubbing all this. I did scrub all this. Honestly, I think that's how he wants to go out, though, like on the sidelines. So if anything, it would be like respect because, I mean, he said he'll jump in the East River if they don't win a national championship. So Rick Pitino, all his chips are on the table and uh, we have nothing but respect for, oh, captain, our captain, continue to lead us in college basketball, Rick Pitino. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do, too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Speaking of All-Americans and speaking of guys who loves McDonald's All-Americans, Rick Pitino is one of those guys. Now we got the scoop, Kyle, man. Uh, we have the official rosters for the McDonald's All-American Team 2024 edition. Um, shout out to everyone who made this possible. Uh, ESPN, because of this embargo agreement, they they actually will put out the rosters first because they actually show the game on ESPN. We do not show the game anywhere, but we do have the rosters. Again, this is Monday. 
Uh, you're listening on Tuesday. There's some games that happened Monday night that we are not talking about. So if there's any confusion there, uh, maybe North Carolina lost to Wake Forest. I'm not dodging the conversation. I'm just saying we're having a conversation separately uh, about the McDonald's All-Americans right now. So let's start with the East roster. And let's start with Coach L in Miami because they have Jalil Bethea, who is a guard, uh, six foot four out of Archbishop Wood High School, Pennsylvania, Miami, Florida, getting a McDonald's All American. Uh, how do you feel about this guy and his fit with Coach L and the Hurricanes? Uh, you know, I, th- I feel like dribble scores, dribble shooters are really, they play an attractive style where if I were, you know, that type of player, I, I would be, and he, he seems to liberate guys to play right. loose. You know, we saw it with Wong. We saw it with Pac. We're seeing, I mean, <laughs> to vary with Poplar, we're seeing varying results this year. Uh, but no, I mean, that's, that's a good pickup for them. It's, it's, you know, Miami kind of continuing. It's nice to see them capitalize on some of their recent success uh, with, with like scoring some talent, whereas it's been kind of like, you know, developing guys who were sort of in that four-star range, you know, getting somebody straight out of high school. This is, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see how well this works. I'm trying to think, who's their last out of high school McDonald's All-American? It's probably more recent than I'm thinking. I can't think of who it was. I, I can't remember who it was either off the top of my head, but I do think when I saw him commit, when I saw Jalil commit, there was a lot of people talking about however long it had been since Miami had a McDonald's All-American. So congratulations to him and uh, to the Hurricanes. Next up, we got John Bull out of Overtime Elite Academy in Georgia. He is going to play for Chris Beard and Ole Miss. A lot of the guys that are on the McDonald's All-American roster have already committed to teams, so that is you know always encouraging to see, so we can kind of forecast a little bit. Seven-foot-one center, like I said, playing with Overtime Elite. Um, what do you like from John Bull? Have you seen him? Is he is he part of the seventy percent, Kyle? Man, yeah, I believe I saw him with Mocan in the summer uh, for a couple summers in a row. Actually, I mean, very big, long, lanky guy, lateral mi- mobility kind of coming along, offensive game kind of coming along. But if you think about him, like defensively in college, I think he's going to be developed and you know going to play for. We talked about Chris Beard. Um, we'll see if Bruce Pearl can you know poach him away. Maybe Bruce Pearl Pearl you know reverses it on him and gives him a call during the season. Says, "Hey, come play for me. I'll get your offensive game going." No, uh, <laughs> defensively, I think he'll be a presence in 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 the SEC. But it's it's gonna t- he's more of a longer baking cake in my opinion. Yeah. Next up, two guys going to play for John Shire in the Duke Blue Devils, the number one player in the country that we all know and have talked about a lot. Cooper Flag out of Montford Academy in Florida, and Isaiah Evans, six foot seven out of North Mech High School. Um, right in right in Charlotte, North Carolina. So both these guys going to Duke. How do you see them fitting in with John Shire and uh, another big win for the Blue Devils? Uh, Flag's amazing. We've talked about him yeah. and his offensive game has made huge leaps. I've, I haven't seen Evans as much. Uh, I can't speak. Evans in, is one uh, of those guys. Astutely. Like he, he, at first, he was getting offers from a certain caliber of school. Then all of a sudden, he gets that five-star mark and he starts climbing up. And then you're saying, oh, my God, this guy's going to go to Duke. So uh, I think he's a little bit of a late riser. But I, I think he, he's going to be a good fit with the Blue Devils. Yeah, and and like we've said, Flag has a chance to be the number one pick. I think he's yep. going to be he's going to be a big presence in this game too. Um, he's 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 a super super player. Yeah, I love to see it. Uh, let's talk about some Kentucky guys. We got Boogie Fland, uh, which is one of the best names uh, in the class here. Six foot two, out of Archbishop Stepanek High School in New York City. So shout out to Archbishop and uh, Boogie Flan. Also, they have Jaden Quaintance, uh, six foot nine, out of Word of God in North Carolina. If that sounds familiar, that is where John Wall played back in the day before he decided to go play for Kentucky. Also, also C.J. Leslie, who played for NC State. Shout out to Word of oh, God. Yeah. So, how do you feel about these two guys wearing Kentucky blue next year? 
Boogie Flan, classic, you know, bucket getter. Is it's uh, he's a classic kind of Cal Memphisy kind of guy. He's going to get to the rim. He's a creative kind of angular scorer. Jaden Quaintance actually is he's looks bigger than six nine in person. Big mm-hmm. physical young kid too. I think actually on the draft rules he's going to have to unless they change he's a, it. He's, he's going to have two to be and there through. for two years. He's not year. a one and done. Yeah, yeah he's twenty twenty six draft, so he's going to get two years in Lexington. And everything I've heard about him, great kid. So yeah, two good pickup. We'll see. We'll see what else. I guess it's going to kind of come down to if they can get any of these guys to return. But yeah, it's a good good talent injection here. And they've got some in the air. I know Edgecomb is a guy that we'll talk about too, who's picking between I think Baylor, Kentucky, and Duke. Um, that's that's going to be a really interesting one. So we got two Blue Devils on the East team. We got two Wildcats on the East team. We also have two Tar Heels on the East team. We have Captain Jack, Ian Jackson, um, coming out of New York City, six foot four. I would say guard. They haven't listed as a forward, but I, I would say he's a guard. Also, Drake Powell, uh, six foot five out of Northwood High School in North Carolina. These two guys, uh, you know, Captain Jack is a conversation point. Rick Patino trying to pry his hands uh into the Captain Jack pool. But right now, both these guys are gonna go play for North Carolina. What do you like about these two five stars? Chapel Hill. I, I I would defer to you on those two. I did, I don't really. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, Ian Jackson is a scorer. He's well, I've a seen kidding. Ian. I've yeah. seen Ian. Yeah. And, and Drake Powell is one of those guys where he's a local legend. You know, everyone's kind of falling in love with him. We love when North Carolina guys go to play for North Carolina. So um, I'm excited to see both of them in North Carolina. If Cadeau does stay for an extra year, now you have Cadeau. These two guys coming in, you got a nice little uh, backcourt there, and uh, you know you got some talent there with some five stars in Chapel Hill. Uh, next up, an, an interesting character that Indiana fans are falling in love with Liam McNeely who plays with Cooper flag at Montford six foot seven Ford and uh, a sniper who wears headbands. Uh, he is trying to help Indiana next year with their three point shooting. What do you see from McNeely next year? Uh, he's a versatile shooter has, and the size part of it is really big too. a big movement shooter who has nice physicality. He can get to the basket has kind of that slow-mo freeze you up. Um, he's just going to have a lot of different uses uh, for them. It, it, great spacer, you know, that, it, that's, who doesn't need that in any situation? So he's he's a great ad. And a guy who gets buckets, you see, you watch some of these games where this is like top talent. We see a lot more of this. Back in the day, we didn't as like uh, the the upper tier of high school games, uh, basically, uh, with Monverde. He consistently gets buckets against the best of the best. So this is a guy who is not just a shooter, but he is a great shooter. So just a great score all around. Yeah, last one that is committed on the East team to Hod Pettiford, five foot ten guard out of Hudson Catholic Regional High School in New Jersey. He's going to go play for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. And uh, anytime you see a guy with five foot next to his name playing in the McDonald's All American game, uh, you know that means he has some game. Weird. Auburn just keeps getting these guys. You right. know, you got you got your Cooper, you've got your Holloway kids. They continue to do they have this. A type. Yeah, yeah, they do. He did. Bruce Pearl has a type for sure. <laughs> Last two names on the East team. These are both uncommitted guys. You got center six foot nine center Derek Queen out of Montverde. Um, obviously playing in Florida, t- playing with Cooper Flag, playing with McNeely. So three guys from one high school team uh, on the East roster for the McDowell's All American game. That's good to see. And then last one, Bryson Tucker, uh, a Ford six foot seven out of Bishop O'Connell High School in Virginia. So two uncommitted guys uh, on this East team. Do we have any forecasting? Do we think like uh, anyone's uh, you know kind of saying that that's our guy? Like Derek Queen feels like there's a bunch of teams that think he's going to end up playing for them next year. 
Uh, I've seen Tucker a lot more. I've seen Tucker in, in person a couple times, actually. Mm -hmm. Dribble pull-up shooter. I mean, he loves mid-range, like a slot operator. Like, he loves to play around the elbows. Um, very just versatile dribble shooter. He's a guy who just gets buckets. He can get a little blinders on sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, curious to see where he's going to go because he's, he's an instant kind of ad. He's somebody that can create his own shot. Yeah, I like that. Sharman uh, White, uh, Pace Academy, is going to be the head coach for the East team. Now let's get to the West. First name up, Air Bailey, one of the best names in college basketball for next year. Going to play for Rutgers. Ford, six foot eight, um, coming out of Georgia. He's one of those guys when he committed Rutgers fans, Steve Peichel, they were going crazy because they thought that that means they could convince Dylan Harper, who we will talk about here as well, a six foot five guard, obviously the son of Ron Harper, going to go play for Rutgers as well. So Rutgers gets two guys here, two five stars and two McDonald's All-Americans. What do you what do you like out of both these guys and what do you expect to see in this game? Uh, we've talked about these guys in the past, I think, but this I mean, it's got to be the best Rutgers recruiting class of all time yeah. right i mean i'm right. trying to think of another time at like seton hall back in the day it was kind of weird how like they had a spike i think it was like in 2000 or 2001 that crazy recruiting class uh that they had uh, you know let's just put a good team around them and let's see if you can keep them for uh keep them happy uh, obviously maybe beyond a year um but uh, would be tough in this situation but yeah both of these guys can play Rutgers Rutgers basketball it's on the, it's on the uh, the uptick for sure yeah they're uh it's a great state for college basketball New Jersey does not get discussed enough when you talk about talent basketball talent so uh it, it's cool to see those guys going to play for Rutgers next up we got Flory Badunga a center six foot nine out of Kokomo High School in Indiana uh, he's gonna go play for Kansas next year and play for Bill Self if you don't know anything about Kokomo High School these people are diehard college basketball and basketball fans in general, and uh, I know Flory's going to be a really good player just for the fact that he's coming from Kokomo because they're tough. Uh, what do you expect to see uh, from him at Kansas next year? One of the fastest athletes off the floor for his size uh, that I've seen in a while. He is just explosive, has that, like, he just volleyball shots. So he's going to be a fun defensive tool for for self to use. Like, he's just a weak side mop-up kind of guy, like almost Nerlensy, like the way he can swoop in and erase plays. So, yeah, he's he is very fun to watch. He's going to have some viral moments for Kansas. Next yeah, year. some major moments for Kansas. I'm excited to see him there. Next up, we got Carter Bryant, a forward six foot eight out of Sentinel High School in California. And he's going to go play for Tommy Lloyd in Arizona. Um, kind of the typical three, three and D guy there for Arizona. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I've, it's not somebody I've seen as much as some of these other guys, but he's definitely going to fit in with Arizona for sure. Well, let's talk about some prolific prep guys because there's three guys on the West team. First up, we have Zoom Diallo, um, again, playing in Napa for prolific prep. He's going to go play for Washington next year. And Mike Hopkins, um, six foot three point guard, got a lot of game. I've seen a few prolific, prolific prep games. Um, what do you like from Zoom? Because it's a great name. He's one of those guys that's going to interface immediately with the college game. Plays he can play. I've seen him in person a couple times. Just a fast, you know, great athlete. He's he's going to be ready to roll. I think uh, just a plug and play type guy. Prolific players tend to be that. You know, uh, they they do a good job developing players and getting them ready for college basketball. And uh, Washington got a good one for sure. Yeah, the next two prolific guys, Darian Reed, Ford, six foot seven, um, going to Alabama, and also his teammate Aiden Sherell, six foot eleven, playing at prolific prep, and is going to go play for Nate Oates in Alabama. How do you like that duo going down to Tuscaloosa? 
Reed is one of my favorite players in the class. Mm. Um, I just think he's going to be, you know, with the way that Nate Oates likes to play, you put a toolsy sort of guy who does a lot of, Reed is very steady too, just kind of a quiet presence, quiet, steady presence out there can guard multiple positions, hit an open three here and there, um, just makes connective plays. He's the kind of guy that kind of powers. I know we talk about like just the sheer three-point shooting with Alabama, but with Reed, he's the kind of like, centerpiece that kind of makes it all work and, and he's good both ways yeah i like both those guys and i think nate oates is really winning with those two guys coming there next up we got vj edgecomb uh who is six foot four he is from long island lutheran high school in new york and he is going to go play for scott drew and baylor his recruitment uh, a lot of people thought at one time he was a duke guy ends up going to baylor uh what are your thoughts on his game and what do you expect to see next year Oh, I was still, I clearly didn't get an update on who he picked. I missed the announcement on that one because I was <laughs> yeah. talking about where he was picking up. Well, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, there was shifting that I'd kind of heard murmuring behind the scenes that uh, that there was shifting going on. I'd I'd heard that it actually was going Kentucky's direction, but uh, Baylor is going to be a great situation. They're just a factory for these types of guys uh, that go and are going to play a, like a pick and roll heavy style. It, uh, Scott Drew enables his ball handlers, you know, and, and uh, it's the track hard to argue with the track record that Baylor's had. It's kind of funny how like all these teams have types, you know, the Keontae George type is what VJ Edgecombe <laughs> yeah. basically is. So, uh, you know, shout out to him. Donovan Freeman is the next game or the next name, uh, six foot seven. He's got game. He's at IMG Academy and he's going to go play for red Autry and Syracuse. So you got the orange here with the McDonald's all American. What do you like about Freeman? Have you seen him play much? Uh, no, I'm not as familiar with Freeman, but uh, interesting to see Syracuse uh, get back in the game here with the, with the McDonald All-American thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Jim Beheim loves to see it. So uh, we here at this program love to see it. Next up, we got Richard Johnson, guard six foot six, out of Link Academy in Missouri, and he is going to go play for Rodney Terry in Texas. I like a six, six foot six guard. Uh, that's encouraging signs. I don't know how much you've seen of Richard Johnson. Yeah, if Rodney's still there, we'll see. Uh, I know Texas fans are a little grumpy about it, some of the stuff that's been going on with him. But yeah, big, big, uh, versatile guard, Richard Johnson. Uh, Link, Link, Link has been just a really, really fun high school team to watch this year. Um, so yeah, he, he's somebody that should make an immediate impact for them. Last uh, player on the West team that is committed to a program, Trent Perry, guard six foot four at Harvard Westlake out here in California. I have seen him play in person a few times. He is one of Bill Simmons' favorites um, out there in the Cal or in the high school basketball world. Uh, high school basketball in California, by the way, it is a topic of conversation. I feel like people talk about high school more than they talk about uh, college basketball out here. But uh, he's going to go play for USC and play for Andy Infield. What have you seen from Trent Perry, and what do you like about his game. Do you think it's because the guys like guy is it is it an issue of guys staying in the area or like why why do you think the high school is imbalanced to the college thing? What's up with that? I don't know, but it, it is very fascinating. If you talk to any just random guy on the street in LA, they'll tell you about Notre Dame, they'll tell you about Sierra Canyon, they'll tell you about Harvard Westlake, they'll tell you about Crossroads. But if you ask them about UCLA, they're like, I don't know. What are they what are they up to? It used to be like modern die and like Artesia, like, you know, back in the day. That right. Was so, well, these these are like the, I don't, I don't know what happened, like the factory of second generation stars. You know what I mean? I, I shout out Kenyon Martin. True. I feel like KJ Martin at Sierra Canyon was kind of like the, the breaker of this new culture that we have with high school basketball actually in the city of Los Angeles. And Notre Dame right now, I mean, you look at Mercy Miller, who is the son of Master P. 
he's an incredible talent. He's one of their best players. And, you know, you got Scottie Pippen's son who's the best player on Sierra Canyon, right? So there's like all these like known entities and then their kids and then their kids are actually good. Um, and then obviously you got Bryce James at Sierra Canyon. Bronny was there before. So um, a lot of conversations in LA about high school basketball. Trent Perry will be a, a conversation point. Last name on the West and he's uncommitted. He's playing at Overtime Elite Academy. Carter Knox is a guard, six foot six. And I've heard rumblings that Kentucky is a team that is involved here. Louisville is also another team that is involved. Uh, how do you feel about Carter Knox? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got the connection there with Kevin. Um, you know, running it back, you've got to think like, well, how did he feel about that experience? Uh, you know, Kenny Payne was a guy that I know spent a lot of time with with that family, recruited Kevin, was a big part of it. Um, running it back, you got to... Kenny's not going to be there. I mean, you got to assume so. <laughs> that's that's a big leg up. I'd assume that Kentucky has an advantage there. Not quite as big as his brother. Um, Kevin should have stayed in school. That's another topic mm -hmm. for another time. But uh, I just, you know, that was one that I don't think he needed to go. Carter, we'll see if he has a different experience. But uh, yeah, he's a good player, man. Good, yeah. uh, not not quite as big, but he's he's a good player. Yeah, I like his game, and uh, I like that he's kind of battling it out between Louisville and Kentucky. We love a little rivalry there. We saw it with DJ Wagner before, so there you have it. The 2024 McDonald's All American uh, Game roster. Shout out to all those guys that made the roster. Congratulations. The women's uh, you know roster is also out. Congratulations to everybody that made it there. We don't have as much insight on that roster as we would like, so we're going to keep it uh, to the men's roster, but uh, I appreciate well, we everyone. Had, we had exemplary knowledge of this roster, as yes. you can tell. Yeah, right. as you can tell, yeah. we're really just ripping through <laughs> it with our notes. Uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody that made this game. It is always a fun game. We always get great history. I, I will never forget where I was when I watched J.R. Smith go off in the McDonald's All-American game, and then after the game decide he was going to go straight to the NBA. Um, those are great times, and uh, shout out to everybody that's a part of the McDonald's All-American game that reached out to us, OSP, friends of the program, uh, a handshake deal. We love to see it, and uh, hopefully we didn't mess up the embargo. So that is uh, that is that. Shout out to everybody at McDonald's All-American. Let's do some shout outs. Kyle, you have uh, headlines that you pulled up. I feel like we should just start there, and you can rip through the ones that we didn't cover in the show, and then we can get out of here because I know it's been a long episode. Uh, we got a couple. I mean, just John Calipari shouting out the billboard. I mean, whoever paid for it, at least John Calipari saw it, and he's he's crediting that with Big Z getting his eligibility. So that's nice that he threw you guys a bone, whoever paid for that. Yeah, shout out to, uh, shout out to Kyle. I have to, I have to make a comment on that one because I like... Uh, I didn't realize that I publicly like kind of uh, criticized this or just sort of like said, like, what, what what's going on? And I know some of the people that were responsible kind of got mad at me for that. Um, I didn't realize that they were doing it across the NCAA. I, I thought I, what I was told was that it was going to be in Lexington. And I was like, what the hell is the point of that? Maybe get right, the money we all somewhere know. else. <laughs> right. uh, so I'll give those guys. I'm sorry. I, I'm formally apologizing to those guys. I wasn't trying to be the cranky wet blanket. Wait, on are you that, saying they you know? placed it like across from the headquarters or like like? Right, yeah, that right was on the, the exit point before you the headquarters. Okay. I didn't know where it was. I, I had someone tell me that there was going to be a billboard in Lexington, like near Rupp. And and so I immediately tweeted this is idiotic. Yeah, so I whatever. So I don't blame them for being mad. I'm sorry for being the old the grumpy guy on that one, guys. So, I think it yeah. worked though. Uh right. I mean that that's like the takeaway. I mean, billboards work. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know, you look at them, they're like, hey, you know, it, this this uh, if, if it had been a bench sign, I don't think it would have been as effective. So, you know, good for them for getting the eight grand to to go all out on that one. Maybe you get a big sign in Louisville that says bench Big Z at <laughs> Kenny Payne and see what happens. I think it's all going to be about the same. Um, so we've got uh, 
Caitlin Clark setting records in other people's arenas. Uh, Ohio State women's uh, set the basketball record. It's 18,660 fans went to see. That's just great. She's coming to town and, and just making money for everyone. So that's cool. She's setting records not only at Iowa, but also wherever she goes. That's cool. Um, let's see. There is already local buzz around McNeese State about trying to keep Will Wade as a priority. I think that's great. I don't have to say much more than that, except for the AD Heath Scheuer is quoted Scheuer, saying. that's my guy. Uh, used to be the football coach at McNeese. That's my guy. Uh, oh, now he's AD. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, McNeese, I have yeah. interviewed Heath before. He's like the sweetest guy ever. He believes in McNeese and... Uh, He's going to, I mean, if there's someone that actually can figure out a way to keep Will Wade there at least another year, I think it's Heath. So. He says, I'll do everything I can within my power to make it as hard as it can be for yes. him to leave. Yes. I want him to stay. Uh, that's a nice guy. Way Strong of saying ass we are offer. <laughs> think, that's what he's I think, saying. I think this is going to have to be one of those situations where they give him like a percentage of the university, sort of like a player. Like <laughs> That's the only PC, way they're going to keep him yeah. there. Like give, give <laughs> Will Wade actually the- runs and operates this program uh, and this school. <laughs> he's taking he's yeah. taking merch. He's taking points on t-shirts. <laughs> he's getting points. It's a public institution. Doesn't matter. Will's got to stay. He owns it. Yeah, tax free. Um, all right, and the last one I have is just uh, this one's for Tate. Uh, Tara Vanderveer. She finally passed Mike Shashevsky for yes. all time NCAA wins, men's or women's. Uh, she did that over beating after beating Oregon State. Uh, this weekend. So congrats to the new goat. Shout out to Vanderveer, Coach Vanderveer. She's awesome. She's always been very nice. We saw her at the Wooden Award ceremony, Kyle, from a distance. We didn't talk to her. Uh, Cameron Brink, her player, uh, that was there as well. She's been a star. And Stanford basketball has always been kind of in the mix on the women's and the men's side for the most part. Obviously, the men's side has had some up and downs over the past decade. But uh, yeah, shout out to her. And I also saw Coach K was on the Today Show, Mr. K. And uh, he personally congratulated Tar Vanderveer for uh, for winning or uh, for taking over over the, the the most wins in college basketball history. Nice he was disgusted uh, <laughs> as he said it. I mean, it was like it, it it barely came out of his mouth. Um, and then Jay Billis was calling her the goat. Um, I jokingly called her the goat, but I think officially, Kyle, we when we say goat, we think of Coach Vanderveer. So stamp it official. Sorry to Mister K. Good run. It's a great run. She erased say. his legacy. I think. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be too extreme. Well, I don't first Caleb too, Love and now Tara Vanderveer. Like, who? Yeah. What do we even hang our hat on anymore? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I had a couple quick shout-outs. Shout-out to Marist. Um, yes. Matt McCool, who is one of our uh, name guys, he had a fantastic one-handed grab on a bad pass uh, and ended up making the game-winning layup for Marist to beat Sienna. In Poughkeepsie. 48. Yeah, in Poughkeepsie. There you go. So the fighting uh, Rick Smiths up there at, at Marist. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the originator, uh, the original Wimby, Rick Smiths. Um, but, uh, yeah, shout-out to Matt McCool. I thought that was a great moment. Uh, I wanted to shout-out the CW. The ACC coverage of the CW is so good. I, I'm falling in love with it. They have a stat, time with lead. Um, which I think is something we need more of with the graphics. Cause I, I do think that actually helps with the game, like to see how long a team has had the lead. So CW, you're doing the Lord's work. We appreciate that. Uh, shout out to Ryan Kalkbrenner. Um, he played 53, almost 54 minutes. Um, six blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Play, yeah and in the final 45, uh, 57, Talk he blocks. played in this game. Um, he was incredible. Uh, this was the, the only other seven footer to play 53 minutes or more in a college game was Connecticut's Hashin the beat on a six overtime, uh, you know, biggies tournament game, 2009. So, um, that was great for Kalkbrenner. I kind of was hard on him. Uh, last week we talked about, I said he was a little bit lackadaisical these days. I'm not saying that I changed the way he played, but he definitely has changed the way he played. So uh, shout out to Cockbrenner. We love to see that. Shout out to the Big 12 Dog Park. 
um, ridiculous. West Virginia beats Kansas. Raekwon Battle was great in this game. Iowa State stuns TCU on the road down a player. UCF made seven field goals against Houston. Uh, Texas beat Baylor. Um, I was also talking bad about Rodney Terry, so congratulations. You got a big win there. And then Texas Tech beat BYU. BYU was up in that game, and then uh, just slowly, like, they just kind of lost their composure a little bit. So the dog park continues. West Virginia is not a shih tzu. I think officially Oklahoma State is the shih tzu of the conference. So wanted to, to do a little highlight there. And uh, last thing, the only two teams um, with at least a two-game lead in their conference standings right now, Drexel and North Carolina. So, uh, you know, and it may have changed last night. Wake Forest could have beat North Carolina. I don't know. I'm in the past. You're in the future. Things have changed. But as it stands right now, that is the case. Shout out to Drexel. Shout out to UNC. And uh, Kyle, man, any more shout outs for you before we get out of here? You know, I think we've covered all of basketball today. So, no. <laughs> no. In, in, in a word, no. Uh, that's how we end it. I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Shout out to the McDonald's All-American uh, family for being a part of the OSP family. Appreciate everyone tuning in. And we will see you on Friday. We'll talk then. Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.